welcome to the Camden Fringe Pod, a podcast all about the Camden Fringe. Keep listening for a glimpse behind the curtains and to find out how you can get involved in, you guessed it, the Camden Fringe. Hello, I'm Michelle. I'm Zena. Welcome to the Camden Fringe Pod. This week's interview is with Anne-Louise Butt, who is the current artistic director of Upstairs at the Gatehouse. She's taken over from John and Katie. John and Katie Plews, um, who gave up running the venue this year in its 25th anniversary year um, and handed it on to Anne-Louise, who's been there for a few years as general manager. It's quite exciting. Have a bit of change at Upstairs at the Gatehouse. Some venues, they sort of seem to have a new person in charge every year or every couple of years but upstairs at the gatehouse has been a very solid same team since they started doing the Camden Fringe in 2010. Yeah and it feels like she's done her apprenticeship and that she's very much been um, given a, a rigorous training. She knows what she's doing. Oh she does. So while we're talking to her we discuss the ghost at the gatehouse. So if you're of a sensitive disposition, be prepared. It's very spooky. It all goes a bit Danny Robbins. But actually during the recording, I'm assuming that it was just someone else in the building, but you can occasionally hear noises and voices in the background. It is above a pub, isn't it? It is above a pub. So what do you think that might be? Well, it could have been the ghost. Yeah, probably. Listen out for that. Good morning, Anne-Louise. How are you? Good morning. I am. I'm good. Thank you. So this is kind of the first time we've met, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice to put a face to the names I've been emailing for a few years. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to um, introduce yourself to us and the podcast listeners? Yeah, for sure. So I'm Anne-Louise. Um, I have been the theatre manager at Upstairs at the Gatehouse for the past three, three and a half years. And recently, John and Katie, who have run the Gatehouse for 25 years, are retiring and I'm taking over the lease of the theatre. So I'm now the incoming artistic director for Upstairs at the Gatehouse. So same theatre, different job. <laughs> it's really exciting. Yeah, it's a very exciting time. John and Katie are very much fringe theatre institutions, aren't they? Yeah, it's the it was the 25th birthday this year. <laughs> um, and they are big players in the fringe game. They're legends. Everyone knows them. Legends, there we go. What are they doing now? Right now they're on holiday on a cruise. Very nice. But mainly... They are being grandparents and they are licensing their own scripts. So they wrote a lot of shows for the Gatehouse that did really well and they are starting to license them. So they just had, they did a play here called Flat Out, which is a British farce that they wrote and they've been approached by a couple of people about doing that. And most recently they did it in a, I think, 1600 seat theatre in Kansas for three months. Wow. So they went out to Kansas to see their their shows in a dinner theatre. So in America, you like go and get your dinner from a buffet and then you sit at your table and watch your show with with your tea. (laughs) Uh, So they went out and saw that. So they're just focusing on, yeah, licensing that script and other shows they've written for here. So they're not retiring, retiring? No, if you say they're retiring, they're like, no, we are not retiring. (laughs) We're still going to be busy. (laughs) We're just not going to be at the theatre every day. So you started at the Gatehouse in the best possible time. Was it like February 2020? Exactly. I started just before the very first lockdown. So my first year at the Gatehouse was refunds. 
rescheduling the same shows over and over again because we kept saying yeah come on okay we'll reschedule for when we're next open and then we didn't open and we produced our own show just as we were about to come out of lockdown for Christmas 2020 would it have been Uh, and went straight back into lockdown on our dress rehearsal (laughs) then rescheduled that to next summer so it was a lot of rescheduling a lot of ticket refunds but uh, I think it means it can only go up absolutely and did you like do uh, much to the theatre were you just at home we repainted everywhere the same purple we refreshed the purple (laughs) (laughs) Um, and we did do a lot of work on making the theatre covid safe as much as it could be so we did things like invested in fogging machines we refurnished our back stairwell so we could have a one-way system around the theatre we numbered all of our seating so that we could have socially distanced seating things like that so we did lots of little admin things to try and make it more viable when we could open so when we did open and we were socially distanced we were already set up to do all of that stuff so what's the significance of the purple um i actually have no idea but everything in the building is purple i remember when i started john and katie gave me a purple key for the front door and said purple key for the purple building wow so it's not a good answer so you think they're big fans of the color purple i I think i think that is just it yeah (laughs) so you've done a couple of camden fringe now as the yeah. manager how is the Camden Fringe at upstairs at the gatehouse is it very different from the rest of the year there yeah it is because never during the rest of the year do we have more than one show a day <laughs> so during the fringe I think last year we had 11 shows this year we've got 13 and it's you know it's a really nice month because it's lots of people coming in and doing between one and five shows so you meet a huge amount more people than usual and it's people that for us especially, don't usually have the opportunity to do a show here because we reduce our prices so much for the Fringe to be able to make it really accessible for anyone to come and do a show here, which means we get to meet different people, a lot of younger companies, a lot of student companies, those sorts of things, people who wouldn't normally be here for a full week's run. That's great. And do you find, because you have quite a regular audience, don't you? Do you find that they will turn out and come and watch come? and fringe shows and see some different things to what they would normally watch yeah they do not as much as I would like mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh this year we're going to really try and push it to that local audience because our local audience in Highgate is great and they come and support us on so much and then quite often during the fringe they'll go okay I'll pick one thing and they'll come and see one thing during the fringe and that's that so we need to persuade them to come back and and see more um yep. but there's a few shows as well this year that have already sold really well to our local audience. There's one about Cynthia Lennon and immediately they're like, okay, that sounds exactly up our street. And they've all pre-booked their tickets to that. So I'm like, okay, that's the beginning of the fringe. So we're going to get you in and we're going to get you back every week to see something new. <laughs> yeah, I think we have a very set idea of what a Upstairs at the Gatehouse show is, what works well <laughs> there. Is that something that you... I mean, we might have different ideas from each other, but is that something you're looking to change or is that something you're leaning into and thinking, brilliant, we've got this reputation, we've got this audience built in, let's stick with that? So I think it's a little bit of both. We've got this audience that that really likes, I think, let's see if we are on the same wavelength. They like musicals, they love musicals, they like political theatre. Yeah. And they like history. (laughs) Yeah, kind of quite traditional stuff, I think. Yeah. They love a revival. Yeah. But interestingly, they do really like different things as well. So, for example, not during the Fringe, but last year we had a show called Trump Loy, which was a queer cabaret musical all about 
Trump told through Optical Illusion. That's a very clever name. I like that very much. Yeah. (laughs) And it was so much fun. And we thought, is our audience going to come and see this? And they did. And some of them hated it, but they still came. (laughs) And some of them came and said, wow, that was really different. That was really interesting. So I think although John and Katie as well knew their audience, they also tried to push them. So I think we'll basically continue that. Mm -hmm. So the show we have in at the moment is called Nightlight. And they did, the company, Google Wright, did a Cameron Fringe show here two years ago. They did a show called Juliet and Romeo, which Mm -hmm. it did so well. They sold out all week and our local audience came because it was Romeo and Juliet. But it was a complete retelling. It was really modern and it it was so good. And our local audience loved it. So now they've come back and they're doing their new writing here, which is a much younger audience than our standard audience here. But because they know the company already and they trust them from the fringe a couple of years ago, it's been really nice to introduce them to new writing, different work. That's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, it's been, it's really nice to have these guys back actually and be able to say that they started at the fringe and now they're doing a full two week fully staged show. And they're probably quite excited to have the theatre to themselves. Yes. You mentioned the Cynthia Lennon story. Mm. Are there any other shows that you're particularly interested in this year? There's a show called Transparency that I'm really looking forward to, um, which is about like the transgender experience in Northern working class family, which sounds really interesting. They're just doing one night and I think that'll be really fun. And there's a show called True West, which is a Sam Shepard play that's just been on elsewhere and their poster is just great (laughs) it's so colorful and I love it I'm really looking forward to that as well and they've actually they're by themselves in the theater for the week so they're not doubling so they're doing five days just themselves but it's a full two-act play with an interval but generally to be honest this year for the fringe I'm excited for all of it because like I think this is our busiest year you know 13 shows and we've got a really wide range we're trying stand-up comedy for the first time We've got some musicals, some one-man shows, some plays. We've got an opera company called Opera Kipling who are coming back for their second year as well here, who did amazingly well last year here. And our local audience adored them because, again, it was classic opera, but a completely modern retelling. Do you know how to say the name of their show? Because we were trying it the other day and realised that we didn't really know how to pronounce it. I would say the Cenerentola. Oh, that sounds good. However, last year, I, which I can't remember what the show was called last year, but I pronounced it wrong until their getting day. <laughs> and then they spoke to me on their getting day and told me how it was actually pronounced. And I was like, ah, good. My pronunciation has been wrong for three months. <laughs> so that one's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's a, it's, is it Rossini's opera about Cinderella? Yes, it's Rossini. And they're doing it in Italian, but it's going to have um, sign language incorporated yes. into it. Which sounds really interesting. Yeah, they did similarly last year. They did it in its original language and surtitled the whole show, but they surtitled it with not direct translations. Oh, it was the Love Island one, wasn't it? No, not Love Island, Take Me Out. It was Take Me Out and Love Island, yeah. merged into one operatic. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness me. But yeah, they sort of did their own translations of the surtitles so that they were modern and fresh. It's quite interesting with opera. I don't really know anything about it, but I watched a couple a few years ago where they did them in a pub and they had subtitles and all the people involved were real opera buffs and they they said the thing was that a lot of the actual stories that they do in operas are very bawdy soap opera type stories. Mm. It's not actually that 
high art that you might think it is just because we don't understand it we think it's really highfalutin but it's actually quite basic stories which is quite interesting when you when you get to actually read subtitles and see what it's actually about yeah every opera i've seen seems to be about an affair and a dramatic death at the end yeah so yeah eastenders yeah. <laughs> what we should do is probably introduce the venue a bit more for anyone who's listening who's never been to Highgate, yes. to Upstairs at the Gatehouse. Let's go through some facts about Upstairs at the Gatehouse. It's the highest theatre in London. 446 feet above sea level. <laughs> nice. I've got a fact that I remember John telling us that half of the building used to be in a courthouse or a jail or something, but only half of it. Yeah, so half of it used to be used as a courthouse. And I'm going to tell this story wrong, even though it's in front of me somewhere as a newspaper clipping. There's a ghost called Mother Mans, who was, I think her murder was tried here and it it didn't go the way she wanted. Uh, Something to do with the murder of Mother Mans. And now she haunts the gatehouse. And have you have you seen her? Have you been conversing with her? Have you done a Ouija board? When it first got announced that I was taking over around Christmas time, I think that she got a bit annoyed. She didn't like the change. She didn't like John and Katie leaving. And a couple of strange things happened. Uh, a walkie-talkie just flew at me in the middle of the box office, just got thrown across the room <laughs> from nowhere. Uh, one evening I was here late by myself and the pub was shut. There was no one else in the theatre and there were a couple of flats in the building and no one was in the flats because it was Christmas and they, they weren't around. And there's a theory that Mother Mans only comes out when there's no children or dogs in the building because she doesn't like to scare children and pets. So I was completely by myself and just in front of the box office is a green room and the door kept rattling, opening all the way and then slamming shut. <laughs> and, and I was like, well... She's here. She's annoyed. So, yeah, we we theorised that she didn't like change. She was acting out, but she's calmed down again. Have you got a dog to keep you protected at all times? I don't. I do have a friend that brings her greyhound here quite a lot and he stands up at the box office to serve people, which is very cute. So I need to get him (laughs) here more. (laughs) And do you have garlic and a cross? And um... That's for vampires. (laughs) Oh, is she not a vampire? (laughs) I always get told apparently there are some vampires around here and some people requested once if they could stay over in the theatre overnight to to seek out some vampires. This was before my time, though. Ghost hunters. Yeah. Yeah. Was that because of the cemetery? Yeah, I think there's a lot of stories about the cemetery and I think Bram Stoker wrote Dracula from looking down in the cemetery through a crypt which had a glass ceiling and you could see people in this crypt in Hoons and it's where he got the idea for Dracula, apparently. I was told that on a Highgate Cemetery tour. I'm really spooked out now and I don't believe in you either, <laughs> but I do believe, I do believe in your ghost and Mother Dracula. <laughs> so a bit more about the theatre. Above a pub, yeah. as is the way with many fringe theatres, it's quite a big pub, is it? Is it a Weatherspoons or have I made that up? It used to be a Weatherspoons. About five years ago it got bought by guys called Urban who just had like a few other little pubs uh, in the area. They do do a really nice dinner. Not enough vegan options for my liking. We have vegan ice cream now here. It's very exciting. Three different vegan ice cream flavours. Oh wow, not just vanilla. Amazing. Yeah. So yes, yeah, we're above a pub, but most people when they come here, they come up the very steep staircase from the pub and come into the theatre and go, wow, I didn't expect this. I just expected a room above a pub, not a full 122 seat auditorium 
So it's quite nice to surprise people like that. <laughs> it is a very impressive venue. Yeah, it's a really nice space. And do you do any producing or acting or anything outside of running the venue? My background is producing. So mainly the other fringe, Edinburgh Fringe. I've produced shows there for 10 years. <laughs> it's too long. Um, but I not so much now, obviously. Slightly too busy to do Edinburgh this year. But yeah, I've been doing Edinburgh for a long time, um, doing like late night cabarets in bars in Edinburgh, which has been really fun. Um, working with uh, universities as producers on shows there as well. So I go and work with the students. Um, in COVID, I did a little digital producing with students and universities. So getting what would have been their final exams and doing them online and working out how, how that worked. And now I'm just producing in the venue as well as running the venue. So I produce a show, um, God, it must have been a month and a half ago now, which is now transferring to Riverside. So producing that there. And then our Christmas show this year. Oh, what's that going to be? Can you tell us or is it a secret? I can't tell you yet. <laughs> I have the contract and I'm like, I can tell people once that contract is signed. But we already had one slip through our fingers which we had started telling people about that we didn't get the rights in the end. Have you got any top producing tips for people who are putting on a Camden Fringe show this year? There is never too early to get started. People think, oh, it's a year away. I should be as I didn't know. It's never too early to get started. <laughs> but I think the the main tip that I would give, and this might seem very obvious, but it is just as a producer, be in communication with everyone and make sure that you have a solid team and don't cut corners with your team. The show that we did a month and a half ago, I went, no, it's fine, we don't need a stage manager. There's not that many props. I can stage manage. No, 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 it was awful. The show will be better if you don't (laughs) do things like that. So making sure you have your like solid base of your team that you know. And I mean, that might just be two of you going, yeah, okay, I'm doing everything, but making sure people know that from the beginning and you've yeah. got that communication within your team uh, is always really important. And having a nice team, never underestimate having a team that you get on well with and making sure you've got the right people around you. Good tips. I was wondering if you had like an idea in the back of your head of some fantastical thing that you want to do, the venue, you know, once you've been there for a while and you've got some time and space to do like a big project that you really want to do we do so what we really want to do and we keep saying right we're going to start making this roadmap and then never getting able to have the time to do it but we want to do like a new musical theatre pathway within the venue so start introducing maybe a quarterly scratch night that people can come and present like a scene or a song or 15 minutes from that new musical theatre that they've written and then be able to offer from that scratch night one of the shows that we think would work best with the audience here best with the venue a week to be able to workshop that to then later in the year maybe even the following year to be able to present that as a fully realized show and be able to support that and co-produce that with a team that's the the aim to introduce something like that Mm-hmm. but I think that's going to start in something like 12 months because we have so many things that we need to get done this year. We're going to try and do a big fundraising round. The two main things that we want to uh, introduce is a stair lift because we're not an accessible venue. Mm-hmm. We've got steps up into the theatre, so we're not wheelchair accessible and it's horrible. I hate it when people call up and say, oh, I'm in a wheelchair, can I come and see the show? It's just heartbreaking. 
Yeah. And we want to start redoing the rig a little bit and moving it into some LED fixtures because the electricity is mm. it's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. If you're still working with old lights, that's going to make a huge difference. Yeah. We're fully halogen, no LED at all. I mean, it looks beautiful, but it's so expensive. And something like Bless Alistair, who does our tech during the Camden Fringe. Camden Fringe is the worst time of year for this because they'll have three shows and they all want a different colour. And because we don't have an LED colour changer, he'll have three lights in the same place, all with a different gel on them. So the rig is full and a lot of lights in there so that he can give each team what they want. And it'll be so much easier for him to have one light there that could change colour. Yeah, these are all things that people are going to have to really think hard about with the you know, obviously the environment, but the price of electricity, it's a good thing to kind of force the issue, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Environmentally, it's a really interesting one. It's it's hard to weigh up what the right thing to do is because yes, LED is better for the environment, but throwing away a load of lights that work perfectly well and creating that wasted, awful for the environment. So it's phasing it in the right time. So each time one of our lights goes at the moment, if the bulb blows rather than buy a new bulb, we'll go, okay we'll retire that light, we'll retire that fixture and buy a new LED. So we'll try and run them down as much as possible. And I suppose the fancy old theatre lights, people could rewire them and have them as sort of decorative. Yeah, John gave a few to a guy a year or so ago that did exactly that and sells them on Etsy as these at-home standing lamps. And I I want to need to work out how to do that myself so we can have some standing around the theatre because they look really nice. That's a really good idea. Thank you very much. Really nice to meet you. Thank you. Yeah, it's lovely to meet you too. Yeah, hopefully you'll be able to come to our launch party this year. I'll be there, definitely. (laughs) Fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) So that was Anne-Louise Butt. Go along and see what is happening at Upstairs the Gatehouse this summer. Camden Fringe News is... We've got 285. 285 shows now. It's slowly creeping towards 300. Almost as big as 2021, but not quite yet. It's a big year. Um, we've signed off the brochure that's being printed. So mm-hmm. that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And we've set the date for our launch party. Mm-hmm. Also exciting. If you think you should be invited to the launch party and you don't know anything about it, get in touch. Send us an email. We'll send you an invite. Unless you're Jack the Ripper or... Um... Or the ghost at the gatehouse. Actually, the ghost well, at the gatehouse the can ghost, come. The ghost can come. Um, especially if it takes the trouble to email us and ask. <laughs> Any other news other than it being very, very hot and... It's quite difficult to think. Let's hope all the venues have got their air cons um, running smoothly for the summer because I feel like it's going to be a bit of a scorcher. Yeah, global warming and all. Mm. Hey, we'll be back next week. We're going to do an improv special. Does that mean we can do some improv? We won't be uh, doing our usual tightly script <laughs> repartee. Um, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.